two, one. Lift off. We have a lift off. Confirmed, uh, Houston. No, this is all lift off. Roger, Roger. That's all the space talk I know. <laughs> What's your vector, vector, Victor? What's Seven. Vector, Victor. Seven vectors. <laughs> Surely you can't be serious. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yeah, I am serious. Don't call me Shirley. So we're we got a lot to talk about today. We're gonna get into lift and flight. And gravity and all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. Are you doing good? Are you doing good, Fisherman Don? Doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to uh, blasting off. I'm Professor Gotlands. This is the Science Pokemon. And thank you for joining us. The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network. Supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out PokeCastersNetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, so let's get to a news fix. We got a lot to talk about in our interview today. Uh, but before that, let's talk about uh, some Pokemon news. And the only really major news is all the cancellations. What's going on? Yeah, so I mean, not really surprised anybody that uh, COVID-19 shout out coronavirus whatever you want to call it is um hey you mean the thing that we've been talking about and mentioned on here since like january yep um anyway so that's affected a lot of things i think it's until mid-may that no events will be sanctioned so like even your locals or whatever for vgc so um we got a long time a lot of regionals and stuff are canceled probably some potentially if it continues post mid-may we'll see some effects on like american internets european internets is already canceled so yeah that's a whole thing I would I would imagine that uh, the CP bar might get dropped a little bit. I think it's gonna be. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, not. what are they gonna do? Like, like they literally have canceled. I mean, I know because we were planning our charity events. May had four regionals in the U.S. alone. Yep. Or five. I was going to them. Yeah, like, what are they gonna do? That's a lot of regionals get canceled. Yeah, it's um. I would imagine there have to be something. I haven't seen that much talk about online. I mean, there's a lot of uh, like grassroots online tournaments, which I would definitely encourage yeah. everyone to do. But in terms of official online, I haven't seen much, so I don't think we're going to shift to like a primarily online system at least this year. Well, I know our friends at Mount Silver have been running a bunch of tournaments. I, I keep getting tagged on Discord every day. Hey, we're running another tournament today! Like, whoa! Yeah, Mount Silver. There's the um the Galar friendly. Yes. There's the um there's the Rose Tower is another good one to play if you're looking for stuff to do. Yeah. But yeah, and I just want to tell everyone, like I just want to remind everyone, I know a lot of people are going to get angry. My, I'm going to say my belief here, and whether you know what this is, this is now our show, so I don't care. Um, life's come before money, and us doing what we need to do to mitigate the damage and the number of lives lost is more important than temporary economy. We can rebuild our economy. We've done it after. You know, world wars. We've done it after the Civil War. We've done it after, you know, the the Great Depression. We did it after the Great Recession. We've done it after other recessions. We can't bring back people we lose. So whatever whatever steps we're going to take are, are important, and especially because the documentary Evil Dead. We don't want to. So let's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is is in the U.S. Um, it is. It is uh, impacting younger people more than it has in other countries, too. 
I know a majority of the cases in like New York alone are, are coming from younger people. So it's one of those things that like we want to be careful about because we don't want anyone we, we don't want anyone hurt. You know, uh, I'd, I'd hate to see someone lose a close relative or loved one. So let's mitigate this the best we can. Trust me, I'm going crazy being locked in here with my kids. I love them, but I'm going crazy. Yeah, that's a bummer right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I don't want to get started. The, the amount of times I've had to text my wife going, what are their teachers doing, man? Uh, anyways, um, so science news. I got two. I have a really cool one and a fun one. Let's do the fun one first. So in the UK, free-range pigs have been given pedometers to keep track of their steps. One of the pigs ate another pig's pedometer and pooped it out, and the dried feces and pedometer started an electrical fire, and it burned down. It started to burn down the farm. Thought that was really yeah. Fun. That's um. I mean, pigs yeah. Ate a whole pedometer. <laughs> pigs will eat anything. That's like the yes. whole, uh, yeah, don't trust pig farmers. That's why pigs were banned in every like major religion. But they're so good, though. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, so I thought that was really uh, really fun story that uh, pigs eating pedometers caused a fire. The other one, though, is um, – the other one was um, – it was in the – it was the Chattanooga Zoo where the Komodo dragon had babies. Yes. But there was no father. So can you explain this? So, okay, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. I think it's like parthenogenic is the term. Yes, because we've talked about it in one of our um, panels. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So basically it's like a sort of self-fertilized egg kind of situation where basically – That reptiles the, can do, right? Yes, the reptiles can do. And the eggs are um, effective – like the, the new young are effectively a clone of the female. They're just clones of the female, yeah. Yes, um, it's most common in the um, – I want to say the checkered whiptail, which is a Western American lizard. Yeah, we've but talked other, about the whiptail. It's yes, like a but, basic sandlet. Yes, and other, but other um, reptiles have been known to do it. But I think this was the first instance of Ikamoto dragon doing it. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool, though. I wanted to point that out. Also, speaking uh, of – oh, wait, sorry. No, quick, go ahead. Yeah, go speaking ahead. Speaking of Komodo dragons, have you seen the picture, uh, Matt, of the um, Komodo dragon that has a birthday cake at the zoo? No, I think it was at the. Um, I would say you Google this right now. It was at the. I think the Saint Augustine Alligator Farm, and there's Komodo Dragon, and they put a party hat on him, and they gave him a cake made of mice. That's kind of gross. I well, it's a Komodo Dragon, so like, I mean, come on, but but you should look it up because the party hat is adorable. Well, I will look it up. Yep, I found it right here. It's got the Komodo Dragon. They put a party hat on him, and he seems to be having a nice time. That's that's amazing. That's also um props to the zookeeper for putting a poto a party hat on a komodo <laughs> the dragon. Komodo dragon. <laughs> Those things are dangerous. Yeah, they're um they're they're big and yeah. Well, with that said, we have a really cool interview here. We're going to talk about some amazing physics today. An episode I've wanted to do for a long time, and some Pokemon I've wanted to talk about for a long time. So let's jump to the interview. Let's do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, now the juicy part, the meat, the thing that you've been looking to sink your teeth into. That's right. Pictures of Don. <laughs> I feel personally attacked, and um, 
I don't know. Humbled. Do we do we have an HR for um this podcast? <laughs> Anyways, we we have a great guest tonight. All joking aside, and uh, so uh, Mr. Uh, Timon, uh, I'd like to introduce you and please tell us who are you and what do you study. Right. So my name is Timon Gutlep, and I'm a second year PhD student in applied mathematics at the Imperial College London. I have master's degrees in physics, philosophy, and mathematics, which kind of form the background of my PhD. Applied mathematics is a very broad term, so that describes a lot of things that I don't actually do. Uh, so <laughs> like everything. Yes. Uh, so every, every <laughs> that sounds like just science, right? In in some sense. It's like the study, you know, the the application of mathematics to everything. Yeah, but of course, I, it's more specific than that for me personally. Uh, I work on something called differential equations and integral equations, specifically uh, more the computer side than the pen and paper mathematics. And unfortunately, again, like that, that can really be applied to a lot of different things. Or fortunately, so like, I should say. But could that be applied to like game code? You, there's a lot of differential equations in game code. So Interesting. Every time you have some sort of physics engine, unless you want to do it in a really in a, in a way that doesn't that won't feel realistic let's say uh, you want to do some sort of differential equations to describe the motion and forces and stuff like that but me specifically at the moment uh, my research projects uh, tries to describe things in in the real world specifically i'm working on uh, integral equations that describe flocking behavior so you could say bird birds bird flocking behavior particle swarms that sort of thing yeah i, I i've seen that so like like um you guys study then like the shapes and patterns of flocking behaviors then, right? Right. So the the way it works is that there's there's certain underlying principles of attraction and repulsion on every well, we could say bird, but but more like particle, right? <laughs> we, we treat it as a particle. Uh, and there's like Yeah. An equilibrium that forms and that forms into different shapes and patterns and yeah, so I, I do that on a computer essentially. I developed a method that is then implemented on a computer. I know from my background that then social scientists use that kind of data when we're looking at like human interactions. I've heard about like, you can do it in, what are they like in at metal concerts, you can do mosh pit yeah. analysis with particle yes. simulations. Yes. I've yes. heard about or, stuff like that. Um, or panic situations. Yeah. Right. To, That's to, right. To, uh, oftentimes plan like designed to mitigate like, you know, like people stomping on each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can actually out. do that with liquid flow sometimes. You can yeah, describe that's people awesome. like liquid. That's cool. That makes a lot of sense. Too. <laughs> that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, cool. That's the sort of thing that's... So that's why I would say I'm applied mathematician rather than a computational physicist or a mathematical biologist because the, the, the core structure of the method applies to a lot of different things. No, that's awesome. That is literally the coolest thing ever and we definitely have to get you back on to talk about that specifically at some point <laughs> yeah. yeah we can do that there's there's a lot in there that i just kind of have to break down now that's so cool we brought you back on we brought you on tonight though to talk more about the physics side right because i have been dying to do this episode for so long i i'm a big fan of 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 astrophysics personally um like I and theoretical physics, like the only two authors that I have read modern stuff from the past 10 years has been like Michio Kaku and Tyson. <laughs> right. Right. I, Those are probably I, the biggest names in like the popularization of astrophysics. Yes. No. And I know, I, but I, I, I love Kaku's voice. It's so calm. <laughs> oh, listening. I, I heard reading. Oh, no, no. When I read it, I hear his voice. Like as oh, I'm reading, okay. I can just hear him. And right now as we're talking, like I, I just hear it. 
It's great. So anyways, yeah, I want to talk about some physics, though, because this has been one of those things that I have been dying to talk about. So I'm going to like jump out there and throw you a really huge question right to start off with, if you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. One of the biggest questions out there. What is gravity? (laughs) Yeah, okay. So how much time have you got? (laughs) Um, Right. So it's it's an (laughs) yeah. Right. So it's an interesting question, right? So there's there's the description of gravity, and then there's the question of what is gravity. So maybe on a surface level, we start with just the experimental observation that everybody can make that objects with mass attract each other. There's something in need of a we want a mathematical description of this phenomenon. And so originally, go ahead. I'm sorry. So originally, the way we described it is like like we would describe electromagnetism. So it's some force that one particle, let's say, let's call them particles or objects, one object exerts on another object, and it does this at a distance. And you can describe this with a relatively simple equation. And that's the that's gravity as Isaac Newton described it. Uh, that's very different from the way that we look at gravity nowadays. But ultimately, the, the concept of gravity in Newton's theory is not very different from objects pulling on each other with, with strings. Uh, it's, it's a force exerted by objects on other objects. Of I course, think my, that is... my six-year-old likes to describe it as. Do you ever? Do you guys uh, over there? You guys ever ha- watch like the Magic School Bus? No, that doesn't ring a bell. Okay, so it's a That's it's a an American. Oh, it's great! It really is great. Um, it's an American children's book series from the '90s. Like it's about science, where the teacher has a school bus that is wait for it, magic. And like it literally can do anything like it can turn them into particles, go inside volcanoes, turn them into water. And so the premise is that they go on these like actual scientific field trips. But there's a show and Lily Tomlin does the voice and Lily Tomlin's a delight. Um, But my my, my six year old has been obsessed with it since she was three. We bought the entire like 90s DVD series. Uh, There's an episode on gravity, though, where they like make a planet and they're playing basketball. And like they change the size of the planet, and it changes how well they it can play basketball. Yeah. I, remember this, yeah. I remember that episode. I remember that episode. Yes. Yeah. They make it too heavy, and they all sink into the floor. So they made it like Jupiter or whatever. Yes, they made it the size of Jupiter, and they all cannot get up. Well, <laughs> that's how I. That's in how real life, that might crush credit. them. But <laughs> yes, yes. But it's a children's show. How many G's is it on Jupiter? It's like a lot, a lot, right? Uh, it's not. In, yes. I don't have it in my mind, but it's it's way more than one would expect. Uh, I mean, it's like it's 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 several hundred Earth, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's like a hundred Earth, isn't it? I think it's more. It's, it's like it's more like three hundred or something, right? The sun's more than that, I think. Yeah, okay, yeah. Jupiter well, is three hundred and eighteen times as massive as Earth. Okay. So then the the, Earth, the Jupiter is three hundred. All right, fair enough. No, the super gravity time. on Jupiter is not actually as heavy as I thought it was. No, because it's all gas. Yeah, so surface <laughs> gravity on Jupiter is 2.5 Gs, which isn't – it's a lot. I mean, that's still more than twice your weight, but that's not as much as I thought it was going to be. No, it's not like the floor breaks from underneath you. <laughs> kind of a bummer. I wanted I wanted it to be more. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's how she likes to describe it is that like it – you know, if you're on a planet that's big, you're heavy. I think that's a – Yeah. I like that. that to, to a first order approximation, that's that's how it goes basically. That's how Newton would describe it. Have you ever seen Family Guy? But but it's... there's there's well, I only like the old stuff, like before it became popular, because I'm elitist apparently. He is. He's super hipster and elitist. <laughs> if you've heard of the thing, it does not cool anymore to Matt. That's how he is. 
<laughs> no, it's more like so much stuff happens in Family Guy. I'm not sure I'll be able to remember. Yes, yeah, it's been around for a while. Yeah, that's why I said I, I've only seen like the original stuff. Uh, the very in like season three in the original run, there's an episode where Peter becomes so fat that Brian puts a ball around orbit around Peter. <laughs> that's literally what makes. That's what I think of when I think of Grant. Right. So, so that's that's cute. But why wouldn't it work? Obviously, because if it's around Earth, uh, yeah, the gravity of I, Earth would would prevent any orbit around Peter. He's stronger than Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but that's how it works. Joke. We we just described how gravity works. Um, so I guess how does it ex- how does it then change like the weight? What's the difference there between mass and weight? Right. So that's something that comes up a lot, and it used to bug me. And it's it, I think every person who studies physics goes through this phase a bit where they take issue with common language a bit because it's very imprecise sometimes. But ultimately, oh, this is an issue it? of language. When physicists say mass, what they mean is something that you could say is like the like charges for electromagnetism. Mass is the value which determines how strong gravity acts on something. That's a very clearly defined thing. That's its, that's mass. And the unit of mass is kilograms. So when I would ask you how much mass do you have, you would presumably step on a scale and read off its kilograms or pound. Pound. pound because whatever. I live in America <laughs> okay. and we're backwards. Uh, so pounds. And you would read off your mass in pounds and you would tell me. Right? But the problem, hey, of hey, course... Just saying, just saying, Britain's got some weird weird units for stuff. They yeah, still uh, use stones. I, I, I only live in the UK, to be fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. I'm, I'm just going to say for a second, though, yeah. stone is weirder than pounds in my opinion. Oh, no, definitely. 100%. Yes. Stone yes, is... No, kilograms are the best. I Let's continue, best. continue, continue your... your right, so, but what you're reading off, whether it's in pound or kilograms, is your mass. Uh, but the scale is measuring your weight. What is, what is weight? Weight is the force that a gravitational object exerts on you, right? So... Okay. The weight, your weight is different on the moon, but your mass is not. Your mass is the same. The mass is how much you have. Exactly. The weight is so the how mass much is determined feel. by your molecules, your atoms, your quarks, whatever level you want to look at it. But your mass is part of, is fundamentally a part of what you are. So mass is like what you're made out of. Weight is how you're being pulled. Yeah, weight is an interaction. Got it. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> and and the reason right. actually that scales can turn your weight into mass is because the Earth's uh, gravity is basically constant when you're close to the surface, right? So if you take your bathroom scale and take it to the moon, it will give you nonsense. Like, there are a few places on Earth, though, where, like, gravity gets weird, though, right? Right, so it, it depends. Like it's the approximately constant, but it depends on your altitude and the density of stuff under you. It's it's a bit, it, can, it gets weird. <laughs> it gets weird. That's my favorite explanation ever. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so then I want to know, bringing up, because I've heard this, I've heard that time is actually slightly off if you're at the top of the pyramid. So I've heard that gravity impacts space-time, and any of us who've seen Interstellar knows that that's a thing. How? Do, what does that right, mean? Right, and that there's a library at, at the center of black holes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, okay, so we talked earlier a little bit about Newtonian gravity, but that's a bit outdated nowadays. You can still use it very well for... Uh, applications that are like on a, on a scale of earth or maybe our solar system usually you want to describe gravity on uh, within the theory of relativity of einstein so einstein's general theory of relativity specifically in that theory gravity appears not as a force but as sounds a bit fancy but it's basically it's a curvature of space-time Gra- gravity okay. is a, an, an effect on space-time and objects change their paths because of this change in geometry really rather than because of a force is acting on it. Huh. 
so how can I explain this in an easy way? So usually what you will find, right, is this image of a sheet that's being dented in by a ball. Uh, and then okay. particles moving along the sheet that's, that has a dent on it now because a ball is sitting in it will travel just down on this slope. But I think that's a very confusing image of gravity because it already includes gravity in it in some sense. So I think huh. it's it's safer to think about general relativity's conception of gravity as a change in geometry around an, a massive object. So what do I mean by that? So oh. if you have a flat object like a piece of paper, if you draw a straight line, it's a straight line, right? In the in the sense that we learn we all learned in primary school and, and high school. Yeah, yeah. But if you have a, a ball like the Earth, the surface of the Earth specifically, there is no such thing as a straight line on the surface of the Earth that corresponds dude, dude, with the, Earth the is line flat, on paper. Man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. If okay, on, on the surface of an orange. There you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. Oranges are not flat. On the surface of an orange, you can't have <laughs> straight lines in the same sense. And it's that kind of curvature conception that is important uh, when you're talking about general relativity. So an object existing in space-time that has some mass changes its geometry around it to have curvature. And that's what is actually causing the objects around it to behave differently. So in realistic, like realistically, we should have had... Giratina should have been like the master of gravity. Yes. If, if, it, if Dialga that's... was space and Palkia was no other way around. Dialga was time and Palkia was space. But like Giratina should have been gravity then. Like, cause it's like a big, like, screw you guys. I don't care. Right. I mean, it, I mean, gravity, if you were gravity, you would have a certain amount of control over space and time. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess that was your original question. So I, I was coming to that. Uh, the curvature is not only on space, which is what I've been talking about so far, but it also affects time is space and time are not as separate as we classically tend to think about it they're actually kind of inter intertwined more than we would like i would say in physics but that's that's just the reality that we have to deal with so when 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 you're closer to a massive object time actually moves uh slower for you than which for... is like the movie interstellar which i've yeah, actually I never mean... seen oh go see it no spoilers bro go see it. so it's accurate this is this is an uh, an accurate accurate representation that well, I yeah. don't know if they calculated it, but it's it's, no, accurate, but yeah. it's accurate in concept. Describing the concept. Okay. So then, I mean, that's kind of explaining that. I guess so then space-time essentially is just the interaction between space and time then, correct? Yeah, space-time is just like we space and time behave similarly. And because it's very easy to describe them in the same way, space-time is just the object that we call the thing when you put it mathematically together. There's nothing fancy going on with the word space-time. Got it. All right, so now I want to get to the Pokemon questions because we had a lot there front-loading. So I have to ask this. I have to ask this question, though. How does gravity work in regards to a black hole? Like, what's going on there? Right, so as I said... That's all, that's all I know, but it's a word I like. Spaghettification? Yeah, spaghettification is a controversy that we can maybe touch on later. <laughs> it, it becomes controversy. Yeah, so how do, how do black holes work? Essentially, when you crunch the equations in general relativity you find that for for objects of a certain... There's a relationship of mass and radius of an object, so size of an object, that's called the Schwarzschild radius. That's actually quite nice to look at, so you can actually look that up, and it's a the end result, at least, is a nice equation that gives you the radius at, under which an object will become a black hole if it's compressed enough. Okay, so it's a relationship okay. between mass and the size of an object. What is yeah. a black hole? 
a black hole is an object with, from which nothing can escape because there is a universal speed limit, specifically the speed of light. So it's it's a result of the fact that the speed of light is constant, so your escape your escaping velocity is is limited and that the pull of gravity is not limited. Like there's no there's no limit on the acceleration that a black hole can cause on you. Got it. Okay, so now here's here's where I want to get crazy. So in the game, the Pokédex itself says that Gardevoir can make black holes. How does this work? And <laughs> what would happen if Gardevoir could do this? Right, so the, the answer is either well, it's one of two extremes essentially. Either absolutely nothing would happen, it would be completely useless, or it would destroy the planet that it's on, basically. I, I find okay. it very hard to imagine that what there's are the an between answer for this. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, have, I have a question about black holes, and I'm probably super wrong and uninformed here because it's not yes. what I know about. So, black holes, it's like, you know, if like a really big star comes a black hole, it has the mass of the star, but it's tiny, so it has like crazy gravity. Yes. What if, like, say... I know well, it, like, no, it has the same sense. gravity. It has the same, same gravity. gravity. But, like, it's very dense is what I meant. Sorry. But it's, 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 it's just that you can go so much closer to it. Right. And then, yeah, because you're close, and then it sucks, gets you, because it's, like, it does, it's, like... Because the radius, yeah. your distance is different, yeah. So what if it was, like, say, um, what is, like, the smallest object that could then... Well, I guess, yeah, it wouldn't matter then, because it's just the relative gravity. Any, so if, like, any object can be a black hole if it's under its Schwarzschild radius, which is a very nice uh, state. So uh, if, like, if Gardevoir, say, took, like, a moon-sized object and made it to, like, a black hole, so it'd be, like, really small. I'm assuming Yeah, that so that's what like, I'm saying. If if Gardevoir just took, whatever, an air molecule or something and compressed it down with some psychic power, it could turn that into a microscopic black hole. There's nothing lo- wrong with that calling Earth, that a black hole. We? Uh, We've made. I don't know if they've done it, but it, it it should probably be coming out of like the the hadron collider stuff. Yeah, probably, the Illuminati probably. did it. The Illuminati did it. Just look into it, bro. Uh, so there there is probably like if there are microscopic black holes, it doesn't matter, and that's exactly why I said probably one of the outcomes is that nothing happens, which is yeah, okay. that microscopic black holes evaporate almost immediately because they are mechanisms. Kind of, yeah, it makes sense. They're not. There are mechanisms yeah. where uh, black holes lose mass. Uh, right and. If they're too small, they're just not stable. No, I mean, I guess you could force them to stay stable with some psychic power or something. But okay, but like, it, so if it made a black hole, though, like in the anime, I think it was like the size of like a baseball. Yeah, right. Yeah, but... So that's a problem. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so baseball if, black hole is a problem. So the way I read the way I read the Pokedex entry, it is a problem because it sounds like it's some sort of ultimate move, right? So it sounds oh, like it's, it's meant for combat. <laughs> if it's if it's meant for combat, uh, I guess I guess there is the question of I mean you would need so much energy to compress something because there's a lot okay. of stuff that resists uh, compression of this sort, right? We're not falling t- through the earth to the core because there's repulsion. Yeah. Matter repulses itself through electrical magnetism and other forces. Okay, so there's a lot that Gardevoir would have to overcome to compress matter in this way. So probably okay. if you have this much energy, or it has this much energy, it, it could just use it on the enemy, and that would be more powerful probably than pre- creating a black hole first. Got it. But if uh, it created a black hole of significant size that would not decay almost immediately, it would first gulp up Gardevoir, <laughs> and then it would gulp up the atmosphere, and then the rest of the planet, and it would replace <laughs> the planet uh, in stable orbit around the solar system. Uh, so the rest, the rest of the solar system would be fine. 
Yeah, black holes are not good combat strategy because either they're uselessly <laughs> small or they're very quickly killing out everything. of control and killing everything. <laughs> mutually assured destruction right there. <laughs> yeah, like I said, oh. clearly clearly she has like it has a lot of power to create this black hole. So just direct it at your enemy. You don't need to commit suicide by a black hole. Just just send it away. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. All right, so my next question, speaking on gravity and such, the, the the move gravity is actually a common I mean it's becoming more common in VGC, right, Don? Um it had like a it's like it's I feel like it's dropped off a little bit as but like to people like are using it. Months ago. People are using it a lot right now. Yeah. It, it's it's so, still being used fairly often. So like in the move, you bring everything down to the ground and But that's a very make... vague statement. Like if you bring everything down to the ground <laughs> That would be an issue. Well, it essentially causes flying types to like and not be flying. Yeah, so and nothing it increases can fly. the accuracy of moves. So, so it like holds everything in by place. making them slower or something like that. Is that the yeah? Idea? I guess uh, the logic. I think that's how it works. Yeah, but I think the idea is that you're like holding things in place with gravity. What would happen if Pokemon could actually change gravity? Right. So manipulating gravity is is a complicated. It, it's complicated to think about because. Okay. On the one hand, you could just say, well, it just manipulates the mass of the thing that it's acting on, right? If, okay. if there's some flying type Pokemon, you could, if you just te- like tenfold increase its mass, it can't fly. It just doesn't have the, yeah. the, the lift. It can't create the lift to fly then, then, and they would sink to the ground. It's debatable whether increasing an object's mass would be manipulating gravity. I guess, in some sense, if I increased all of the matter in the universe just by 10. If I just multiplied all masses by 10, that would be, it would look like a modification of gravity, but it wouldn't be a modification of gravity. But, but if you're manipulating gravity, like the, the, the fundamental equations that govern gravity, that, that could cause catastrophic effects, partially because, well, it's actually very difficult to change equations without creating really weird glitches in the, in the equations. Is it destroying so, the matrix? It's just... Einstein's equations don't really lend themselves to simple modifications that still make sense. There is there is ways to modify Newtonian gravity in, in ways that are sensible, and they're actually being researched to, for explanations of certain things. Uh, could you use this as an attack? If you, if you had control over gravity, prob- like it would, it sounds very local, right? It's not affecting itself with this. It's it's casting um, gravity on the opponent. No, I I think I think it, it does. It's the whole a field, field effect. So okay, it's, yeah, so it's everything. everything. Okay, well, that, that makes more sense. If it modifies the fundamental fabric of reality to change gravity, it should have an effect on everything, including the planet that's orbiting its sun, which is probably oh. not in its interest. It, it, could, it could change the orbit of the planet, essentially. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's in, its, in, in the interest <laughs> of the Pokemon to just change the mass of the enemies and everything and, and not actually modify gravity. This, this is why you don't want to live in the Pokemon world. Yeah, black holes. I, I guess black holes are less scary if you can modify gravity. Okay. Okay. All right, Timon. So uh, we've talked about avian flight on this show before. We've never talked about man-made flight. So how does flight work for, like, planes? I know nothing. <laughs> right. So I guess there's a there's a couple of different descriptions of man-made flight. Well, specifically plane flight floating around okay. the internet. And some of them, well, actually, most of them have elements of truth. It's It's just that the interactions of all of these explanations is a bit complicated when taken together. So let's try to... Think about this in the most simple case. Let's think about the cross. Think about the profile of a of a plane wing, right? You can think about okay. it as something that's somewhat thick at the start, at, at the beginning, on let's say on the left side, and then it like tapers towards the right, so it gets thinner. 
Okay. And that shape is like that to prevent turbulence and have all kinds of other nice effects. Uh, but how, do, how is lift generated, right? So a plane can only fly if it's moving at a certain velocity. So it, it's generating its lift out of its forward momentum somehow. So like the speed forward is what keeps it up. Yes. So you cannot float with a plane, but you need a helicopter for that, which flies so based wait. on totally different principles. Are you telling me that the Avengers plane does not work? Uh, well, no, it's, 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 no, wait, it's, the Avengers plane has helicopter. I mean, that also wouldn't work. But for Yeah, it's like reason. an Os- Was it the Osprey was like one of the planes that they made that does that? It's got like the kind of pivoty wings or whatever. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, also, I also think that wouldn't fly, but it at least has a mechanism for, to generate lift. Yeah, and there right. is like a real world equivalent. It was just super like mechanically. Yeah, the, the proportions were just wrong. Yeah. Got it. Right. So, okay. but, so how does it generate lift? Like, it's not just that you're going fast because a car will never lift off the ground just because it's going fast. <laughs> so what? What? You, there's two effects. I've there's seen space. so many movies. <laughs> but, but, but did the car have wings in that movie? No. That yeah. Well, I'm sorry. In Greece, it did not have wings. I'm sorry to burst that bubble. Uh, okay. The car will so sooner it... melt from from air friction than take off. All right, so so what's the other thing it needs besides so it, it needs speed? right? So what 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 happens when air actually hits the the wing of a of a plane? First of all, you'll notice that plane wings are at an angle, so the air has a certain angle of attack, uh, which directs the air downwards. Okay, so that's a very there's a very this is just conservation of momentum. So the air attack like hitting the 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 wing from the front pushes the, the, like the air is redirected downwards and because momentum is preserved the the plane is actually pushed upwards so that's a very simple thing to think about you th- this is very similar to just throwing balls at an angled surface it will go up and the ball will go down okay but this is only part of the story because unfortunately air and gases gases in general don't just behave like billiard balls they behave much like fluids. So you need something called the Navier-Stokes equations to describe the flow around the obstacle that is the wing. Uh, so air is compressible. It compresses as it moves against the wing. And then as it flows over the wing, uh, it, you can actually see uh, experiments done with colored gases and stuff. The air over the wing is actually faster. Uh, that's because of... That basically drops out of the Navier-Stokes equations. Uh, but it has something to do with how air wraps around an obstacle of that shape. So the air moving over the wing is faster, the air moving under the wing is slower. That means that due to something called Bernoulli's effect, the pressure down... That's the thing I remember is, from class, yes. Yes. The pressure down on the wing is less than the pressure on the bottom because all Got of the energy it. of the air flowing over the wing is actually generated, uh, directed forward, whereas... So it's a pressure. It's a, there's a pressure gradient, and that is okay. also causes lift. So it's two things. Got it. it. It's it's Bernoulli's effect, which causes less pressure at the top of the wing, and it's just the conservation of momentum from deflecting the air downwards. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So then, how would like Latios and Latios fly? Because <laughs> they're supposed to be based on jet planes, but there's no jet. Right. It, it, when I was a kid and I looked at Latias, I thought there was a jet. I thought like those. Feathers or like whatever it. it is, right? Yeah. Those could be its propulsion, yeah. but it's not. Uh, no. There's just feathers or something. Is How the answer it, it, it couldn't fly? It's psychic so, right? So maybe I'm it's... assuming, yeah. So I, it, it is a psychic type, so its propulsion presumably just comes from it picking itself up. Got uh, it. It's like Jean Grey. Got it. The question then is, what is the purpose of its wings? 
Because <laughs> a plane a plane can't levitate, but Latios and Latios are, are are regularly shown Double levitating. Cool. Looks uh, cool. <laughs> looks, it causes drag. It makes it harder to push itself <laughs> through the air. Obviously, I mean the, the planes fly because they're using drag in a in a useful way. Uh, Latios and Latios just do it for style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, so, and, uh, but it's a different, there's a different problem. Let's say they had propulsions, like regular jet propulsion. I think the size of their wings compared to their body mass is, is wrong. I don't think okay. 60... I think they're 60 kilograms, so like an adult. And okay. their wingspan is pretty small. I don't think they could fly even if they had a jet jetpack somewhere. Huh. Fair enough. But they look okay. sleek. <laughs> yeah. They are they're they yeah, they seem very like they have a very streamlined like look about them, I guess. You know what irritates me about it? The Mega Evolution has what looks like turbines on its wings. Yes, it does. But it's but it's still th- not a propulsion device. It's also the same base speed. Like they don't get any faster. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, well that's yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I would right, say so the answer is that they can't fly. <laughs> they can't fly. They cannot fly uh, in, in the real here. world. They literally cannot fly. Without psychic powers, they would not be able to fly. That's the answer. All right. So I got Sometimes I got a few the more answer questions. is unfortunate. <laughs> I got a few more questions we're going to go through. Um, I know we got a lot on this one. Um, okay. So then, how do rockets get, or how are they able to like get lift or launch? How do they escape gravity? Right. So the way a rocket generates lift is very different from a plane because eventually the rocket will run out of air. To, to use so it can't just a plane can never leave earth because it uses yeah. air to to lift itself and once you re, when once the atmosphere gets too thin that's no longer possible so rockets instead resort to what is probably the most basic way of propel, propelling yourself forward which is to throw stuff out the back when you're sitting on a boat and you throw rocks you will move you will start to move because you're you're shooting rocks back and that propels you forward okay. that's essentially what rockets do they just use very high velocity jet fuel that they explode so out the back to do this. Giant farts. Got it. You yes. heard it here. Giant Accurate. farts. Accurate description. Um, um, okay, so then how much energy goes into a rocket launch? Right, so it depends on, like as always, it depends, right? It depends on the, the payload, what is called the payload, which is the thing that you're actually trying to get into space. Uh, okay. Then, of course, you also have the fuels. The fuel has weight itself, so you have to take that into account, or mass, I should say. I'm sorry. <laughs> So it's just, it's just it, kind it, of like relative to the number, to the amount. Yeah, of mass. it depends also on where you want to get it, right? There's no clear, there's no physical edge to the Earth's atmosphere. It just gets thinner and thinner. Do you want to get out into orbit? Do you want to get into low Earth orbit, like the International Space Station, or do you want to leave the solar system? Like where, where do you want to go to, essentially? Got it. Uh, so I think the the easiest thing to state is that we want to reach escape velocity, which is the velocity at which the Earth, no matter what it does, like no matter what we do, it, unless of course we hit the brakes or something, it can't So it's like the speed to escape Earth's gravity. Yes, but that is also outside. That's not just to enter orbit. That's actually to escape orbit as well. Okay, well then here's my next question. How much energy then do you think, or, or what would it look like for the amount of energy it would need for Celestela? Right, so when you look at the Pokedex... I mean, that thing's a couple thousand pounds. Right, I think it, it says a thousand in the Pokedex when I checked. Okay. Uh, or like 999, something very petty. Okay, so it is that. It's a thousand. Let's say it's a thousand. I guess the first question you would ask is, is that with fuel or without fuel? Because the Pokedex yeah, says... So, so, so Stalosila is 999.9 kgs. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what... That's 22, what. So 2,204 pounds for the freedom units. 
they might as well just round that to a thousand. But yeah, so is that with gas, like with fuel or not? Because I think the Pokedex mentions that it, exhal- it expels gas as fuel. So oh. is this is this including its fuel or not? And the answer to the question of how much energy it takes is actually vastly different depending on okay. whether that is with fuel or without. So it depends. Okay, so then here's my other question then. Could you be near it if it was launching? No, absolutely. I mean, no. <laughs> but I guess, okay, if it if it's if its initial mass is a thousand kilograms, so, so there's something okay. that describes rocket flight, which is called the rocket equation, uh, and you can compute all sorts of things with this, uh, assuming, of course, there's no air drag and all of that stuff that gets in the way of, of actual okay. mathematical fun. If you plug Celestilo's weight into this rocket equation, uh, as its initial mass, so assuming that it that's its fuel that it has its fuel in its when it's measured to be a thousand kilograms, okay. and you plug in typical space prop, spaceship properties like typical uh, space shuttle rocket properties, uh, you find that its its final mass without fuel would be like sixty kilograms. Got it. So that's clearly. It would lose that much. Case. It would lose that much mass, though. It would lose that much mass to reach escape velocity from Earth. Wow, crazy! So if you weigh a thousand kilograms, like so, and that's ignoring drag. So that that's like in a perfect system, you would lose like that much mass to reach Earth's escape velocity. That's insane. And if you wow. you can imagine then that if you wanted to if you wanted to launch something that has a thousand kilograms at the end, like when it when it has reached escape velocity. You would need something that's like twenty thousand kilograms, fifteen thousand kilograms in in mass. So that oh, would God. be it would carry like fifteen thousand kilograms of fuel, even in the perfect like no drag back of the envelope calculation. Yeah. Wow. And that's just, I, so I have just assumed remember, good fuel. You could never be near. You could never be near your Celestilo when it launches. <laughs> no. I, I, doesn't the Pokedex? I think Celestilo is super boring, and I hate it. Just saying. What? It's gorgeous, and it's Princess Kaguya. I think it has a back. lot of elegance to it. Like it depends on the shot. You need. To I sh- hope it gets overheated. I hope it. I hope it takes an overheat, and I hope it dies. But you, you know, you know, it's based on Kaguya. I know, but I just think it's boring to deal with. Like literally, that was one of our clues on Twitter. Offensive Celestilo is cool, but most people run it. Most people run the Leech Seed, and it's boring. No, anyways, yeah. Um, right, so the Pokedex entry actually says witnesses have seen it burn down a forest by expelling gas. Right, so, I mean, that's that's the sort of thing you can expect when you're launching a rocket. Celestila, jump into the air! Ah! <laughs> what happened to Johnny? Well, all right, well then, all right, I want to ask you this. If there were any misconceptions in the Pokemon world related to any of these topics or, you know, this topic here, and you want to clarify to listeners, what would it be, if you have any? It's kind of something like that. It's not quite a misconception. It's more like a positive. The misconception sounds very negative. Uh, okay. I have something very positive to say about the depiction of scientists in in uh, the Pokemon world, I think. Okay. Uh, and it's a typical gripe of mine when in TV, when, when a fictional TV scientist sees something that's clearly in front of him, observable and clearly experimentally repeatable, but calls but denies its existence because it's magic in some sense. And I quite like that the scientists in the Pokemon world don't treat like psychic or ghost type Pokemons as just incomprehensible magic, usually at least in most depictions of the Pokemon world. Treat it as something else that would just, is that's just part of the world and they, they want to study it. And that's very much the approach that a scientist would take in the real world if they were actually to encounter such phenomena. I think it's a, it's a misconception not so much in Pokemon, but a, a misconception that Pokemon in a sense rectifies that... Scientists are actually interested in this sort of thing, and they would love to study a, a, 
an anthropomorphic thing that can generate black holes. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't just deny its existence because it's magic. I love it. I, I I think that that's a really refreshing take take on it, especially when we think I you know I think about the scientist portrayed in some of the films we referenced in our last episode. That's a really positive take on it because you don't always see science portrayed in a positive light. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I think at least the science that's being done by the professors that are your guiding uh, mentor throughout the games, that's a very positive outlook on science that I quite enjoy. Well, I guess I guess my only other question is then, if listeners wanted to be informed on your work or follow you, is there anywhere they could do that? Uh, so I have a Twitter account, at uh, T-S-G-U-T. So that's just my name, T-S and then G-U-T. Uh, I guess for the more mathematically inclined, I have a GitHub account where some of my code that I work on in my research projects is live. Uh, has the same handle. And of course, you're welcome to message me on, on Twitter if there's you'll anything have to, you want to You'll have to send about. us a link to that and we will put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do. I, I That is awesome. I think with that said, thank you for coming on and we'll have to have you back and talk about some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was thank my you pleasure. So much for coming. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Everyone, uh, please follow uh, follow Timon on uh, on Twitter and check out his math if you're a math person. And thanks again. All right, so there's no extra segment for Patreon supporters today, and I'm sorry about that. Um, we're going to keep that probably to once a month just because we will do one interview episode a month as we have it set up for now. Um, and just the interview run run long, which we want them to. We want to, our guests to share their expertise, and I really don't want to break any of that up. But that said, um, thank you for all of our Patreon supporters. We wouldn't be able to keep doing this without all of you, um, and we will keep putting out new exclusive content. I know Chris has a video coming out about Appleton soon, so hopefully that is out by the time this episode drops. Yes, Apple. Uh, I know. Hungry for apples? I'm excited. He's doing a great job. I like his video stuff. Um, and if you haven't, come join us on Discord. Really, by the time this episode drops, we will have done our first trivia night, which I'm sure will be okay. <laughs> I'm a little nervous for it. Um, but, you know, just like our Pictionary, the first one wasn't very good, and the second one ended up being much better. You know, we learned from things. Uh, we just did our second Pictionary night. That was awesome. Um, there was, there was a couple other hosts from various shows out there too, that came and joined us. I it was really fun. You know, just seriously, there's all these opportunities for you guys to get to do stuff. And we're providing these events for free for you guys. Cause we want you guys, you know, especially during this time of quarantine to keep busy and know that you have a community. We are here for you, you know, keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. We love you guys. We're happy to have your support. We're happy you guys still listen. Anything you want to add, Don? Honestly, um, ditto for me but yeah thank you everybody for supporting us thanks for coming out yeah i am uh, sorry for missing the last few pictionary nights um i'll try to make the next raid night at Dude, least maybe that guy from podcast monsters destroyed all of us i'm he not good at pictionary you don't want me to he knows how names. to spell like every pokemon's name like flawlessly like we're all sitting there trying to like oh my god is there two t's in this word like i don't know i can like tell you their base stats but i can't spell them <laughs> Yeah, I can draw them, but I don't know how to spell it. So it was it was a fun night, though. I, I've been having fun with these events, and I think it's I think it's great that we're getting people involved, and I think it's good that we're providing these opportunities for people. You know, 
you guys aren't alone. We're here with you. Um, as always, you know, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, share us with a friend. We really appreciate it. And as new things come, we'll keep you updated. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed the first month of the uh, the new show. Hopefully you guys listened to Lucas's episode. I have not gotten to yet. It's on my list to do tomorrow. Have you gotten to listen to it? I haven't actually. It's on my list. I'm really excited to hear Lucas's uh, Lucas's lectures, but I'm excited to keep doing this. I know we have we have some cool interviews coming up next month that I think you guys will be relatively surprised by. So, you know, keep in touch. Uh, and thanks for supporting. We'll see you guys next time. Yep. Adios.